everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Impact Podcast. I am Brent Smith, your host. Today I am joined by Jacob Kingsley and Daniel Yelverton. Um, it is always good to have you back and be talking to you again. Uh, today's chapter is Hebrews 7 that we're going to get into, and it is Tuesday, February 20th. Um, do you guys have anything to get into before we get started? Nada. No, I think we can just jump into the uh, scripture, and then we can talk about it after that. Awesome. Sounds good. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into Hebrews 7. Um, Jacob, go ahead and start us, please, and then we will go clockwise. Absolutely. And we will be reading out of the ESV. Hebrews 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth of everything. He is first by translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great this man was, to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of his spoils. And those descendants of Levi who receive the priestly office, have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these also are descended from Abraham. But this man who does not have his descent from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithe, pays tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with that tribe Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek who has become priest, not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced, through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. 
For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once and for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. So that concludes today's reading of the chapter, and don't worry, you are not alone in your confusion that you're probably feeling right now. Oh, so, you're confused? So, I totally um, got this. I would really like to get into a little bit about who Melchizedek is. So please, Daniel, if you have anything on that. Um, yeah, Jacob's going to pull up the actual scripture uh, in Genesis 14 where we see Abraham's interaction with Melchizedek. But one thing we know, we don't really know a lot about Melchizedek. We had this one interaction with him, and then there's a prophecy later on in the book of Psalms referring to Jesus coming from the line of Melchizedek. Uh, now, we do get a reference in here that talks about Melchizedek was all, was one, he was king, but he was also a priest. And so with that, it qualified him differently than from other priests. It says that he was the king of righteousness because of his name, but he was also the king of Salem, which was translated for peace. And so that kind of made a, a distinction between him and the other priests. So that's kind of a little bit of like what we get from this chapter and from previous chapters. But Jacob, if you don't mind just taking away Abraham's interaction with Melchizedek. Yeah, absolutely. So this happens right after Lot was um, in, a, in a dangerous situation and Abraham, his uncle, comes and rescues him and and after the return it says this in genesis 14 verse 17 after his return from the defeat of cheddar lomer and the kings who were with him the king of sodom went out to meet him in the valley of sheva that is the king's valley and melchizedek king of salem brought out bread and wine he was the priest of god most high after he blessed him and said blessed be abram by god most high Possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Thank you, Jacob. What is uh, what is interesting is that this is just a brief interaction that this king of Salem, Melchizedek, has. Um, but he's regarded highly among the Jewish people, especially because Abraham interacted with him in this way. So Abraham is seen as the patriarch of the Jewish people. He's held in high esteem just like Moses. Those guys are like the main dudes of Judaism. And so the fact that Abraham would honor Melchizedek by giving him a tenth and he would receive the blessing from Melchizedek, Melchizedek, as far as the Jewish people go, uh, or has the Jewish people related to Melchizedek, they see him as a great, great man. And so that's kind of where we get a lot of the... I guess the comparison of Melchizedek to Jesus because of the fact that the Jewish audience would understand this really well, which for us is not, we don't really probably grasp as much. And I think Mm -hmm. what the writer of Hebrews is really trying to convey here is that Jesus is uh, once and for all the solution for how we are made right and reconciled to God. 
So the duty of the priests was to intercede on behalf of the people to God. And so they had all of these sacrifices, and then once a year, they were, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, and that would be the Day of Atonement, where, he, where the sacrifice would atone for all of the sins of Israel for that year. It's a really big deal, one of the biggest festivals that the Jewish people celebrated. And so uh, no longer since Jesus came is that necessary. And so... That's why you see down there that he talks about a law has become useless. So the way that the priests were, um, their role in interceding on behalf of the people and being a mediator between the people and God was now replaced because Jesus came and fulfilled all of those requirements and he is now our high priest living and interceding on behalf of us. We, we kind of see that also in Romans chapter 8. Mm-hmm. So, so let me just run this back to make sure I'm kind of, I'm getting what you're saying because there's a lot there. So basically, with the Jewish people, they had priests, and that was their way through sacrifices to like, be holy, to be pure again, to be right with God. But Jesus is coming along, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, you know, the stuff that you used to rely on, well, Jesus is better than that. That which you look to in the ancient past, this Melchizedek dude, Jesus is even greater than him as he relates to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and and I guess for us, this is hard to really find application to uh, because this is uh, the fact that, um, I guess, Messianic or the Sinai covenant that Moses had with his people, uh, that type of a religious system of Judaism, if ancient Judaism has ceased, it's no longer existent anymore. Mm-hmm. It stopped when the destruction of the temple happened in 70 AD. The temple has never been rebuilt, and they haven't resumed sacrifices again to atone for sins. And so it's almost like we are so far removed from that type of religious system and that type of way of worship that this is really hard to relate to. Mm-hmm. But really what is trying to, the author of Hebrews is trying to convey all throughout this book is that Jesus is superior to every other type of religious system, to every other way of being made right with God, to every message that comes from God, to every atoning sacrifice for God. He is superior than all of that. So that's what the author is trying to convey here. And I think that we get in our I guess, modern version of of Christianity, modern version of religions that we see, like whether it's Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism or anything like that, is that there's this conflict between uh, how we're made right, how we're reconciled to God. Mm -hmm. And so if if Jesus is the one and sole solution for that, then anything else that we try to use to become right with God becomes useless or becomes second nature or actually becomes a stumbling block in some ways. Um, and so I think that that's a big part of the application then is really kind of examining our own faith and seeing our, how, are we, how are we understanding our justification are we justified solely through Jesus' work and his sacrifice and he's the one mediating for us? Or are we counting on like our own works or our laundry list of good things that we're doing or the fact that we go to church or that maybe we're just a good enough person and that makes us right with God? And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, 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 no. Jesus is superior than all other ways or methods that we would try to be made right with God. 
does that kind of make it a little bit more i guess yeah. draw it to more to our age yeah. and time i mean yeah i think so there's there's this verse it's in um verse 11 and where the writer says now if perfection had been attainable to th- through the levitical priesthood so those are those sacrifices and just doing all the right things for under it the people received the law what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of melchizedek meaning why would jesus have to come that if we think about it if if we could be good enough if it was the fact that our good deeds outweighed our bad deeds and that got us right with god if you know you could just work hard enough or if you just wanted it enough or maybe um you have something else that you're relying on if that's the case why did jesus have to come why did jesus die why couldn't you just been like all right guys just like do a little bit better like do a little bit more good and you'll be there mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't have made sense if that was the case that jesus had to come and live and die and then be raised to life in the way that he did mm-hmm. it's good to understand this absolutely I mean, to understand how we are made right with God through Jesus' work is honestly our whole foundation for our faith. If Jesus didn't come, die, and be resurrected and conquer sin, our faith is useless. But I think where a lot of this can uh, help us kind of going forward, and even in application, is not only understanding who we are in Jesus, but then how we relate to others because of that righteousness that we have with Jesus. Because ancient Judaism was extremely exclusive. It pushed out anybody that wasn't Jewish. It uh, was, there's only a certain amount of people that could be priests, and there was a, there was a huge gap between God and people. And when Jesus came, he destroyed that. He destroyed that hostility. He just, he made peace with us in God. But what he also did is he destroyed the exclusivity of ancient religions And so what this means for us is that now that Jesus is our high priest and we don't have to worry about being right with God by the things that we do, uh, it in turn empowers us to treat others with grace, treat others with love and forgiveness, and follow the way Jesus treated people because we are firmly established in uh, who we are in Jesus. And so for me, legalism. Legalism was something that I grew up with. Legalism was something that I encountered a lot where people begin to exclude people because of the things you said, the music you listened to, the clothes you wore. And they were basically establishing themselves as saying, we are closer to God because of these things that we do. And Jesus is saying, no. The level playing field is that we were all sinners. We were all saved by grace through Jesus. And so there's no distinction between us anymore. And so the application of this is huge. Mm -hmm. It means that there's no longer anything that divides people together, whether it's actions, race, um, anything like that. We are all uh, have the opportunity to be made right with God because of Jesus and only because of Jesus. Because if we blend anything else, we actually exclude people. We make ourselves superior and we exclude people that don't do what we do or don't follow our our religious activities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything you were saying there, the kind of the core of it all is verse 12. It says, for when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, when yeah. Jesus came, it changed everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sums Absolutely. it up, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. 
I think another thing that um, just this comparison to Jesus and the law and, and how the old law used to operate, this legalism like you were talking about, is is this verse, especially for me, is speaking out against indifference. So often with the law, with legalism, you can almost have a schedule of when you'll do the things that you think get you to the, the tipping point or do just enough. And the rest of your life is pretty indifferent to it. You aren't, you know, passionate um, and living with purpose for the relationship with Jesus. But with legalism, you're doing just enough. You're doing just the things that you feel like will satisfy, you know, ultimately maybe what others think of you and all this. And so it creates an indifference towards righteousness. It creates an indifference ultimately towards our relationship with Jesus and then an indifference towards how we relate to others, like Pastor Daniel was saying. And so... For, for me, one of those new rules that because Jesus is here and we are saved through him and we have a relationship with him, that indifference and um, apathy have no place in our relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I mean, it calls you to a higher level, mm-hmm. a higher standard of living, I guess, a consistent higher standard to where, like you said, you're not doing just enough. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have this list of like, okay, I've got to do these three check marks and then I'll be there. You just every day have to keep working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with the new law that came in, like you were talking about, Brent, um, is that Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. And the only people that were able to give commandments were God. God gave the Ten Commandments. He was the one that gave them to Moses. So when Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, one, he established himself as God and as the, God, as the authority for this commandment. And he just said, you are to love others the way that I love you. The best way that you're going to know that you follow me is how you love and treat others. Mm. And so this is a completely new religious idea. This is totally contrary to every other type of religion because every other type of religion is still trying to figure out why, how they can make God happy with them. Jesus already solved that problem for us. Mm-hmm. And so now, instead, we, in response, need to uh, love others the way that he loved us. And so that's going to be the kind of distinction. That's going to be the mark that we've, be, we've passed from the old to the new. Mm-hmm. That we've passed from the old way of thinking and the old way of doing things and the old systems of religion to this new religion that Jesus came to establish Because Jesus even said in the Sermon on the Mount that I didn't come to abolish the laws and the prophets, which is basically all of the Old Testament. He said, I came to fulfill it. So he was the one that made it complete. He was the one that solved all of the problem. He was the one that solved the whole thing of, I don't know if God is right with me, or I don't know if I'm right with God. And that question that we would constantly come up, he solved it. Mm -hmm. So no longer do we need to be worried about God's disposition towards us when we are following Jesus. Instead, now we can focus solely on being Jesus to other people and loving others. Yeah. And so, but if if we fail to do that because we're so concerned about our own righteousness, then it shows that we are still in the old system. We're still in the old way of being right with God. Mm-hmm. And I think we can take that guarantee wherever. We can take it to the grave. We can take it to the bank. We can cash in on it you know, so to speak, because he says um, in that chapter in verse 21 and 22, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You, speaking of Jesus, are a priest 
forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. That Jesus is that guarantee. That this is not a one-day offer and you miss out on it um, and then tomorrow it's not there. Or you buy into it and it doesn't have a good warranty. And you know, two years down the road, oops, well, you're out of it now. But that this is something that is permanent. That nothing can happen to it. Mm. All right, cool. Let's finish it up. Jacob, would you go ahead and pray for us, please? Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that even if on the surface it's confusing that you have allowed us to know about you through your word, that you have given us the Bible to study, to know more about you, and understand our relationship with you more. I pray for all of our listeners, wherever they are, whatever situation they're in right now, that you would continue just to reveal yourself to them, that they would grow in a deeper love and a deeper knowledge of who you are and everything that you have done for them and are doing in their lives right now. I pray that you would just use all of us to love others the way that you are already loving them, that we would just jump in on this opportunity to be your hands and feet to the world around us. God, we love you so much. Continue to be with us throughout this week. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Guys, thanks again for joining us here on the Weekly Impact Podcast. I um, really hope that this is a helpful resource for you guys. Um, hopefully the things that we're talking about here and explaining to you are helpful, especially if you're new to the faith, if you're new to the Word of God, um, and if you're new to understanding the history behind our faith. Um, so if this is a good resource for you guys, and if you're happy with what you're hearing here, please let us know. Um, you can get on any of our social media sites here for the church. Um, but also like I've, I've shared before, you know, we're on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud. Um, you can also download the ECC app and, uh, just give us a review on there. Kind of share your mind with us and let us know if you like what, what you're hearing here. So, um, anyway, we, we are really happy to be doing this. We enjoy this. This is one of the highlights of our week. So we hope you guys are enjoying it too. And if you are just share it with people. That's our hope is that just more people can hear the word of God through what we're doing here. So uh, we thank you so much for tuning in again. And uh, on behalf of everyone here at the table, Elevation Community Church and the Weekly Impact Podcast, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you next week.